0: I first saw that movie, um, I knew at some point we were going to use this clip. I was just like, yeah, that's, save one, okay, yeah. Um, that's going to be it. Can you turn me down a little bit in number one? Thank you. Um, so I knew immediately that I was going to use that clip. I was waiting for the right time, and then the other day, it just dawned on me. I was like, I've got this message that I'm thinking about. Right there is good. And I'm like, I've got to use this. This is the time. And then can you turn down line 15 and 16. Thank you. Um, and so I was just thinking like, man, I, w- I think sometimes we feel like flash when it comes toward our friends and our family. We you know, we're in a battle, and sometimes we're like, you know, God, are you really calling me to go out here and share and get into this cosmic battle that's been going on with light and darkness for years? You know? And I wanted you to connect with that tonight because I feel like sometimes those are the feelings we feel when it comes to evangelism and to talking to people. It's like, man, I've never really done this before. How do I get in? How do I know if this is really what God is saying to me? And, and, and things like that. So, no one forgets their first. No one forgets their first. For all your dirty minds, I mean, nobody... Nobody forgets the first person you led to Christ. <laughs> right? All of you nasties. But here's the truth. My friend Momo was the first person. That's not her real name, but that's what we call her. She's the first person I led to Christ. And it wasn't in a church. It wasn't at a conference. It was in the corner of Martha Street and Garden Street. If you know where that is, you know what I'm talking about. That is the hood. Um, that is probably the dangerous place you can do evangelism at night. And so it's about like nine o'clock at night, there's q and A Q&A that starts up, you know, basically everyone's asking me questions. And, and of course, you know, I get the preaching almost. And by the time it's over, someone's asking, how can I be saved? And I go, okay, bet, this worked. Whoa, how do we seal this deal? like I just talked it up, what do we do now? Begin to pray with her. So hey, pray, pray this prayer. Prayer won't save you, but if you believe it, it will. If That's where your heart is, it will. And right there on the corner of my street and garden was my first time leading a person to Christ. The first altar call that may have been there in, in hundreds of years, or ever. And that night sealed the deal for me. It was like, oh my God, people can get saved outside of church? Well, I'm out here. Let's go. And that ignited a fire in me that hasn't gone out since. One that I've tried to ignite in other people. The right, reachright.com says this about statistics, that 47% of unchurched Americans are open to thinking about a new church based on a friend's invitation. That means just about half the people you know are open to coming to a church service a small group, a church event, if they were asked. The question tonight is, what have you been asking? But then, I think mean that God has called you to do in Christ, he's for you in it. And then the scripture declares, right, that if God be for you, who can be against you? Come on, somebody. Have you thought about that when it comes to your friends? Like, if God be for you with your friends, who can stop you? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? We sing it. Our God is the lion. Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power, fighting our battles. Every knee shall bow before him. Why not your friends? I think their knees got some bend in them when Jesus comes, right? And I'd rather my friend's knees bow now to Jesus than when he comes back in his full glory and we have to bow anyway, right? So this is another thing you want you to think about is that some people think about it as social networking, right? So some of your friends want to come to church, not just for church, but for who they can meet at church. And we'll use that in Jesus' name. You should come to church. There are a lot of ladies there, guys. You're single, come to church. I need to find a job. There are a lot of contractors who go to our church. They'll get there, and Jesus will take the rest. Sometimes I don't. I can care less why they come. I just care that they get in. And I want to talk to you tonight about that because... My, when I talk to you guys about evangelism, I'm not asking you to go out here and blaze hell with a water gun. I'm asking you to go get one. Come back, see how you feel. And I bet you a fire will rise up inside you and you can't just do one. Jesus is better than Prangles. Okay? You go pop one Pringle. Have you ever ate one prangle? <laughs> Never ate one Pringle in my life. I think we grabbed them in the stacks. So tonight... I think the same thing can happen. us. Let's journey to the word together, real quick. So here it is. John chapter one, verse forty-three. Circumj. Um, Screen's screen? Thank you. John chapter one, verse forty-three. We're gonna get in. We're gonna get out. You ready? So the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. Right. He found Philip. And he said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip then found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and also all the prophets wrote. Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nathanael was like, Nazareth? What good can come from Nazareth? You all got a hometown back in your city, your state, that somebody told you, they were from there. They're running for president. From there? And he goes, Nazareth is not a good place. It's a slum. So he says, can any good come out of there? And it talks about, even think about it from a, you know, if we can think about it like marginalized communities, right? From the jump, they're already behind. Right? Like the zip code already killed his chance of being Messiah in somebody's eyes. Like how many people have written off your dreams for where you come from? All right, but not in Jesus' name, not that, not that way. It doesn't go that way. But here it is. Jesus, oh, sorry, Philip said to him, come and see. So he rebuttals. Philip says, come and see. Then 47 says this, when Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he, I, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in him who is no deceit, saw into his heart. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered him, I saw you sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathaniel replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I have told you that I saw you sitting under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And he said to him, verily, truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for what you're getting ready to do in this moment. God, we're ready to hear from you. We need a word, not just another message. God, you're calling us into the fray. You're calling us into the battle. There's no sideline soldiers. So God, help us to shore up our backs, carry our cross, and get ready, God, to be obedient to you. Because disobedience is worse than witchcraft. So God, tonight we want to be obedient to you. Even if we have to look crazy, God, we rather be obedient to you. And so tonight, I, I pray that you help me to, to deliver this word with clarity in a way that uh, causes us to think trans- and be transformed by the renewing of our minds tonight. I can be preaching power and concision in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So, I'm going to give you some context. So, this is my favorite book in all the world. I love the book of John. If you ever ask me what book you should read first, I will tell you the book of John. Why, Pastor? Would you say that? Because the book of John is written to those so that they would believe in Jesus Christ and His divinity. The whole book is is f- full of about eight stories. There are signs and wonders that Jesus do. They're not just miracles. And what happens in these signs and wonders are these: a sign or a wonder is this that a sign is attributed. There is a miracle and a corresponding lesson. If you'll see in some of the gospels uh namely matthew mark luke and john there are not always a sermon behind the the miracle in the book of john john records the miracles of jesus in order for people to believe in jesus and he records the miracle and the corresponding conversation in order that people not just see the miraculous but understand what has transpired and how it relates to them coming to know jesus as lord and savior it is he is the most jewish of all the disciples. He was a disciple of John, and when we pick up in this chapter, he literally stops following John, uh, the Baptist, to follow Jesus. But he writes, even though he's the most Jewish, he writes the most universal gospel there is, and it starts with Jesus finding two disciples. Now, I talked to a few people the other day, we were packing the trailer, and I was talking about, how do we know who is John in the book of John? Well, he's the disciple who Jesus loved. If I wrote the book, I would be the disciple who Jesus loved if I'm not going to name my name. So we hear it is that John uh, is seeing Jesus. He's with Andrew, and they see Jesus coming, and they ask Jesus, where are you going? Jesus says, uh, well, actually, they're following him, and Jesus says, what do you want? They said, we want to see where you live. And he said, come with me. And they came, and they stayed with him the whole day. And after staying with Jesus, they immediately went to tell their brothers, Immediate, no prompting, they were excited about their time with Jesus, and they went to tell their brothers about Jesus, who they came, one being Peter. Peter came, God immediately changed his name uh, from Simon to Peter, or Sisyphus, which means a rock in both Aramaic and Greek. And then right after that, we see Jesus travel to Galilee the next day, and he finds Philip. Notice that Philip does not find Jesus. Huge, huge point there. In this text, we see that Jesus... Comes to Philip to find Philip to bring him into a discipling relationship with him. At this time, they're not incredibly sure that he's Jesus, but what he's been doing has been showing good signs that he might be the Messiah that they've been waiting on. They start to see this unravel, and more importantly, they start to join Jesus because they think that Jesus is going to bring them a political victory. I want you to understand that the Jewish people are not, even to this day, we had conversations with them at club fair, even to this day, people in Hillel are waiting for the coming of the Messiah, not just to serve him as Lord, but for him to deliver them and make them a a nation state. You're still waiting on him to bring peace to the world, instead of understanding that Jesus brought peace to the heart, which will bring peace to the world. The world isn't the problem, the hearts are. And and so here it is, they're still waiting on that. Here it is, he explains that to Philip in that little moment to come with me, and it was an honor for a rabbi to ask another person, especially someone who was a fisherman. You were born into a caste system, so f- becoming a rap- rabbinical student was never going to happen for Philip, but here's Jesus, this untaught, but not unlearned, but untaught, but learned uh, uh, f- uh, carpenter who comes, who's now a rabbi, a freelance rabbi, and calls this brother who would no otherwise be in something. And have you felt that way about your life? Like, yeah, I know you guys are great because you're in school and stuff. But, but, but really, if you be honest with yourself, if it had not been for Jesus, what would you be really? And, and, and Philip, you know, like the world may have marked you away as, yeah, they're not going to succeed. And here comes Philip called into this job that he would have never gotten. Jesus gives him a chance. He pursues him. Amazing. He gets this job. And so immediately he wastes no time. He spends some time with Jesus and immediately he goes to get Nathaniel. And that's what I want to talk to My First point, and when, the first thing I want you to notice, not a point, but what I want you to notice from the text here is this. Is that after meeting Jesus, after spending time being wrapped up in, what an amazing conversation that might have been. Like, come on, right? Like, if we could just sit right here with Jesus and have a one-on-one. Oh, mind-blowing, right? You know he's going to son us a few times. Because if we're going to say something dumb, he's going to be like, shall men live by bread alone? And we're like, oh, you're right yeah. I'm sorry. Just, you know, and, and it's going to be an amazing time. And he goes, and from this experience, he goes to find Nathaniel. Now, I'm not too sure about who Nathaniel is to him. There's not a lot of background about who Nathaniel is. But the first thing he does is Philip does not call a press conference. He does not rent out the Excel Center. He goes back to his hometown where he was found by Jesus, and he finds one of his friends. And he told him what happened. That's so simple, right? He didn't say, hey, everybody, I'm preaching to the entire city of Bethsaida. Everybody come here, I found the Messiah. No, he went to one person who he had a relationship with, who he knew would be interested in the information he was talking about. He went to Nathaniel, and he just told him what happened. You know what that's called? A testimony. Do you know one of the most powerful things you have on you in your life because of Jesus is a testimony? A testimony. I can't tell your testimony, but you can. You can tell them that, you know, I used to be out here slinging drugs. (laughs) I used to be out here doing drugs. I was strung out, and Jesus found me. Turned my life around. I know I was going to prison. But I'm telling you, this moment right here changed my life forever. That's a testimony. You can tell somebody that, and they'll listen to that. I will guarantee you, that none of your friends will deny you that space to tell them what you've actually been through. They will listen with open ears. You do it all the time. You talk about your lives all the time. Why not tell them about the most important day of your life? Right. Number two is that Philip did not engage Nathaniel's skepticism directly or his bias, but he invited him to come and see for himself. Do you see any argument? Right. No. He says to him, I found someone whom the scriptures speak of because this is well-known knowledge. People are waiting for the Messiah. and Nathaniel seems to be a student since he knows what uh, he's talking about when he says all the laws and the prophets and the one who we've been thinking about is coming, waiting on his coming. He tells him, and then he rebuttals. Doesn't he rebuttal? He says, what good can come out of Nazareth? Does he argue with him? No. Does he try to make a case? Nope. He says, come and see. Mad simple. I cannot make Jesus understood to you. I can make what happened to me understandable, but I can't make you understand it. Why don't you just come and see? Have you never done that before in your life? When you saw something interesting, you say, hey, bro, come see this. Rather than explain it, just come see it. It's so funny. Me and Ben were driving this morning, and there were a bunch of deers there. I didn't say, Ben, hey, there's a bunch of deers. I slowed down the car and said, hey, look, there are deers. I didn't explain it to him later. Just tell him to come and look at what I'm looking at, bro. And that's what it is. He doesn't argue with him, but he invites him to come see Jesus for himself. The third thing I want to point out from the text is that Jesus did for Nathaniel what no human being could do for him. And that was to see him in a way That nobody else saw him. He said to him, In your life there is no deceit. Another word for that is guile, which means no trickery. What is very interesting because his name, Nathaniel, not necessarily his name, but his situation is compared in this story to Jacob. Everybody know Jacob the son, Israel, uh, uh, Abraham's son? So, or was it Isaac's son? Sorry. Yeah. And so we see. We see in this story, we start to talk about Jacob's ladder. And when he starts to talk about Jacob's ladder, Jacob was a trickster. His name meant Supplanter. And he says to him, here comes an Israelite. In him, there is no guile. In Jacob's life, there is a lot of guile. He was a trickster. There was deceit all up in him. But he says to Nathaniel, you are an Israelite coming to me just like uh, uh, Jacob came to me at night and touched the hollow. And I touched the hollow of his thigh. Here comes another one who is interested in me. In this place that we always call Bethel, the house of God, here he comes. And when he saw uh, that night the angel going up down the ladder, he grabbed him to the angel for an answer. And he got his answer from the angel. Everybody remember that story? He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Jesus says to him, how much more will I show you? This brother was full of deceit. You're full of none. How much more will you get the answers you need from me? Because your search for me is genuine. I'm going to bless you. In fact, what he lets him know is that when you, when you heard that story about Jacob, I'm Jacob's ladder. The goodness of God descends and ascends upon me. I am the pathway to heaven. And he tells him, if me just telling you that you were sitting under the fig tree is amazing, then I'm going to blow your mind. I want you to know that God can blow your friends' minds. The onus is not on you. It's on Jesus. Jesus says, invite them, and I'll blow their minds. What a deal, right? What a no-brainer. Invite my friends into the presence of God, and he knows what they need. That, that, that's amazing. That's just simple, right? So what do we want to do tonight? Well, there's a couple things you need to know. And then there's a couple things. Well, one thing you need to do. Here's the first one. You don't have to reach everybody on campus tonight, but I need you to reach out to a friend this week. Deal? I don't need you to go tonight and stand in the middle of Hawks Nest and be like, Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. That might work, and I know Daryl will do it. I'll do it. <laughs> but I don't need you to, and I don't think Jesus expects you to tonight. But what he does expect from you is to go to people you know, love, and have a relationship with and tell them about the dopest relationship you have. Like, how can Jesus be a secret to your closest friends? Like, don't you share about what matters to you most? Where's Jesus in that picture? And if Daniel just goes back, sorry, Philip goes back to a person who he has a relationship with, now, I know we want to, and I want to be like Billy Graham, I want to go out here and save the whole world, but I'm going to start with the people in my circle first. Amen? Like, don't you love your mom? Don't you love your dad? Don't you love your best friend? Can you really say that you love them and you're in real relationship with them and you have the cure to the malignancy of the human soul and you don't share it with them? That's not love. That's hate. How much do you have to hate a person to not share Jesus with them? I hate him a lot. To say you love them, but not tell them. What are you afraid of? Afraid of people. Let me tell you this, and it's going to hit so hard. Nobody is really meant to like you because you serve Jesus. Nobody from the world. Choosing Jesus means enmity with the world. The problem with us Christians today, can I speak directly? Everybody look at me. The problem with our service is that we want to be liked. We want to be popular. We want to be in the crowd. And Jesus calls people out of the crowd. And I know it's going to mean that you may go through temptations and you may go through persecution. and People may stop hanging out with you because you're always talking about God. Or or you never want to drink with them. You never want to smoke with them. And you know what? That's exactly what's supposed to happen. You gotta choose. Who do I serve? Do I answer to people? Do I answer to God? I'm very clear about who I answer to. Are you? Let that resonate for a second. You don't gotta reach the campus tonight, but I, I challenge you Double dog dare you to talk to somebody this week about Jesus. And I'm not saying, say that church was good. Because that's not evangelism. That's like giving people crumbs at a a buffet. Jesus was good to me. That sandwich I had was great. You didn't bring me one. (laughs) You're whack. Friends don't let friends miss out on those sandwiches. But here's the idea. I want to bring that buffet. Look, man, Jesus in my life, I was doing this. My life was going this way. I was headed straight this way. If I didn't turn from this particular part, I know I would be lost this way. But then Jesus showed up. And he saved me. And you see how my life is now? He could do the same for you. I'm telling you, when you share your testimony, it hits different. People don't want to hear sometimes just the scripture, but if they can see a person who they know flesh and blood, a real relationship they have, and see that change in you, they're like, man, you know, because they start getting fed up. I don't believe go to somebody who's living a life different than the one they're living. So your witness and your evangelism, the way you live your life and the way you share Christ matter deeply. Number two, the excitement of a friend can overcome decades of skepticism and bias. Look what he says. I, I, don't, I don't respect the place this brother's from. But that look in, in, in Philip's eye, I've seen that look before. Something happened to that brother. Something's different in his life. He's never come to me that excited about anything. Man, there's something about his voice. There's something about the way he walks, the way she walks now. He looked at him and he said, just come see, man. And I, I like to think he just walked away. He even looked back. But, you know, I'm telling you, bro. Come see this. And he just leaves. And Nathaniel comes. So easy. I'm telling you, the invitation of a friend is powerful. Can I, can I speak to you? Have you not gone into situations you were leery about that were ungodly at the advice of a friend? Hallelujah. We have gone into situations that we knew were dead wrong. But because a friend invited us, we went anyway, despite our feelings. Why can't light overcome darkness in that way? Why can't we invite our friends who are uncomfortable about church, who have been hurt by the church, to say, hey, I'm telling you this place is different. I'm telling you, I know you went over there. I know back at your hometown they they abused you in this way and they said it this way. Just come see, I'm telling you, it's a loving place. Yeah, they're going to preach the word, but they're going to love you, though. And, and, and off the invitation of a friend, 50% of your friends will come. So that means you invite two, one will show up. If none shows up, it means you invited one or none. Because we're not in the business of sweating people in half. Amen. But let me ask you a question. Who's going to be sitting in the seat with you next week? Because I know... You got more than a hundred contacts in your phone. You shouldn't even delete the ones that people not even in your life no more. You still got them in there. It is estimated that every person on the planet knows at least 900 people. Look at your Facebook list. You could go down that whole list and say, yep, I met them there, I met them there, I met them there, I met them there. Yep, that's somebody's cousin, Uh uh-huh, cool. Yeah, I don't really know him that well, but yeah, I know. 900 contacts we've had. But we invite no one. Let that sink in. Can we just pause on that for a second? How many friends do you have at this campus? And how many of them are in your prayer life? I'm telling you, people know who they can go to for prayer. I was in church, I was in, I went today, one of the pastors I preached on Sunday took me out to lunch today. I'm sitting at the table, I'm telling when you're, when you tell God yes, excuse me. when you tell God yes, he, once you're activated, he sends you people, you yeah. I'm sitting in the flying monkey. I've never been to the flying monkey before. I'm sitting down here. I ordered this bourbon salmon. I've never had that before there. And I make a mistake and it's a salad. God was for me in that moment. I didn't know it was a salad. I thought it was bourbon salmon. If it was bourbon salmon with a salad, I was like, i feel you. Okay. I hear you, God. And I'm sitting there and one of the waiters comes to me who's not my waiter and he says, Hey, the chef said, can you come pray for him? Today. And grace you know him, it was Dom. Torrance, can you believe that? I haven't seen this brother in years. He saw me through the crack of the window as I was sitting out there. He said, can you have this brother? We didn't hang out. We didn't do nothing. But the, the mark of God on my life that I've said, yes, God, I, we were supposed to be going to the place to be. Huh. But we end up at the flying monkey. And I pray for the brother, not in the back, right in the front. I'm telling you, when you open up yourself, when you give yourself to God and say, God, I want to reach some, God will send you people. And, and and that's not even somebody who's in my immediate circle. But God knew what he was doing. The pastor just told me, hey, you want to go, you want to go somewhere different? I was like, oh, okay. And right there, he was just sitting like across the table. He was like, bro, God, is good. I'm like, I know, right? Let me get back to my salmon. But, yo, like, this is amazing. Because <laughs> we have to go, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, I mean, just amazing. To be paused. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to eat my salmon. We're going to do right, right now. Let's go pray. I'm just saying that the excitement of a friend, if that can happen, imagine what a friend can do. Right? Last, or next one. Not last year, I got all excited. It was like, last one. Um Watch this, I like this one a lot. It says, sometimes an invitation yields more fruit than an explanation. Some of the reasons why you haven't invited your friends is because you think you have to explain it all to them. I know I'm in the book tonight, right? I'm not gonna share because if I open up this conversation, I don't know if I know enough. Well, you're saved. So you must know enough. <laughs> you know that Jesus, you're a sinner, that Jesus came down from heaven, died on the cross, rose on the third day, and is in heaven, and now through belief in him, you can be saved. I know that you know that because you're saved. And that's the gospel. Sinners can be Saved. Through Jesus. And that, that's, that's the whole point. And so, but Nathanael said none of that. Isn't that amazing? He did not say anything more. He said, come and see. I cannot tell you how many people I know who walked into a church service and left and said, I don't know what that was, but I felt something. I think it was Jesus. I I, I talked to people, I was doing my pastor's funeral. Brother came to church who doesn't normally come to church, one of my family members. And I'm finished and he says to me, bro, I felt that. I didn't even preach. I was just moderating the service, bro. I got excited. But I wasn't, I wasn't, it was no sermon. I talked a little bit about the goodness of Jesus for like 30 seconds. He was like, bro, I don't know what that was, but I felt that though. I'm trying to tell you that, come on, come on. come on. Do you believe that Jesus knows how to save people he created? Ask yourself, who's the friend that you think is unreachable? Close your eyes now. Who's the friend who you think that will never come to Jesus? Open your eyes. That's where you stop believing Jesus at. Is that person worse than you? No. What were they stuck in? Unbelief. What were you in? Unbelief. Unbelief. Does Jesus know how to save unbelievers? Yes. So what about their life did you think that the God of the universe can't overcome? That should, Jesus said, go. I have all authority in heaven and in earth, now go. You think that a police officer stays in the barracks once they get a badge? No, what do they do? They go. Why? Because they have authority. Jesus says, I have all of the authority. Not some, not an inch, not a little bit. Everything in this world bows to me. I am king of it all, not later now. And because you're on my side, I give you my authority to go. You've been deputized. And nothing can stop the church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You may suffer insult. You may suffer persecution, but the church will never die. Death can't stop Christians. I'm preaching to you now. Death has been overcome. Death has been whooped with the ugly stick. Death has been dragged around the back of Jesus' chariot as an open spectacle like, like they did Hector in Troy. He has not only won, but he has triumph. Triumph is when you beat that team and they're sitting there crying and you take another lap around the field. That's victory, that's triumph. That's what Jesus has done to death. You don't have to fear it. And the reason that you won't go out is because we fear death, we fear man. And it's how we end up living hypocritical lives. You were never meant to fear people. You are only meant to serve and fear God. So an invitation sometimes is more powerful than an explanation. Some people get the gospel explained to them, and their hard heart will never accept it. But you invite somebody into a space where the glory of God is definitely in the room, something, any, I feel like the little kid in the Incredibles. What are you waiting for? Something amazing, something expect. something amazing to happen. I just feel like something good is about to happen in this place. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you that anytime the people of God are gathering worshiping the God of all creation, anything can happen. McDonald's don't own that. So, y'all, not, y'all, too, y'all too young. Y'all didn't know that. Was McDonald's said anything can happen here. No, that's church. Churches where prostitutes become preachers, churches when, when drug dealers become deacons. That's what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? That, that's that church. That's what I'm talking about. Alcohols become apostles. That's what I'm talking about. It's, it's, Churches where anything can happen. Come on, somebody. Come on. Murderers become mothers in the church. I'm telling you, that's the kind of church we're talking about. we talking about the grace. Listen to me. We're talking about the grace of God. Paul was murdering people and became their pastor. That is never going to happen in today's church because we're just never going to go there. But back then, he was putting people in jail. And then he said, I'm now my apostle. What? I wouldn't be there. But let me tell you, there's only one thing you need to do tonight. Here it is. You need to know all that. But you need to do this. Invite the people you know and love to know Jesus. Oh, my God, Pastor. That was so deep. That was Revelation. It was. Invite the people you know and love to know and love Jesus. How do you do that? Three levels of invitation. Y'all ready? Here they go. First, invite people to know you. The real you. Invite people to know you. Some people don't want to come to church. That shouldn't stop them from knowing Jesus. Jesus not when Jesus is walking around all day in you. Uh Uh-oh. Church does not house Jesus. Jesus houses you. Isn't it amazing that the God of all creation has determined to live inside of the hearts of wicked people? And Jesus all day long, every day as long as you're his, is with you everywhere you go through the power of the Holy Spirit. That means that every time you're in a room with somebody who you want to share the gospel with or you're inviting them to know you, you know what that means? That you, them, and the Holy Spirit are there. Invite them to know you. Invite them to share a meal. Oh, that's hard. Invite them to get a cup of coffee and just talk life. You know, listening is love. You know, you can you can you know you know what you want to be a world class evangelism evangelist? You know what you can do? Shut up and listen to people. Hey man, how's your day? Sit down. And you know what's funny? You know what we do in counseling? Wanna know what we do? We stop talking, people talk more. We do it all the time. We want them to keep going or something, we don't say nothing. And eventually that silence will make them talk more. Sit down and listen, have a meal. Invite them to a game. Go on a walk. I mean, I don't know. Be creative. We're creative with sin. Be creative with the gospel. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just Um, Hello. Second thing you need to invite them to is Jesus. Some people will never love the church until they love the head of the church. I don't want your body if I don't got your mind. Right? They won't love church if they don't have the mind of Christ. Like, there's a lot of stuff that people do in churches, you gotta have Jesus to really put up with. Kind of grows on you. Right? Invite them to know Jesus. At some point in your relationship with your friends, you need to ask them to know Jesus. Talk is good, but you gotta seal the deal one day. Remember, I was driving to Stu Leonard's for lunch. Excuse me. I've been talking to one of my coworkers about getting saved for a a while. Just asking me a bunch of questions, and and on the way back from getting our lunch, I said, "Miss Jackie, when when is it going to be time? Like I think you understand the gospel now. You've asked me every question in the book. Just about about when are you going to make a decision? When are you going to trade in the land for the pearl? Go read that Matthew. Find that." 13 when are you going to say I found something so valuable that I'm willing to trade everything else to get it and she said I don't know what I've been waiting for why not today and we prayed the sinner's prayer on the Berlin Turnpike coming back from Stu Leonard's, and she is saved what are we waiting for Do we not love our people? At some point, love has to, two things ought to thrust you. Here it is. I'll give you the the, the latter first. Hell should scare you. Do you want your friends to spend an eternity away from God in the lake of fire? Because I don't know if that's what you're thinking about when you're not sharing and we're not sharing with people, but that's where they're going. I don't. don't nobody make you think any different from that. Jesus is not just wiping away sin who people are not trusting in him. Your real friends, if they died tomorrow, where would they go? If that doesn't make you scared that your friend is going to be tormented for the rest of their life, you don't care about them. And I'm not taking that back in any way, shape, or form. If you don't tell them about Jesus, you do, I don't care if you've gone to every birthday party. I don't care if you bought them food when they're hungry. If you haven't done something about their soul, you do not care. You don't. I don't care if you give them a ride every day. You do not care about them for real. Real friends don't let real friends go to hell. Hashtag that. Right? I'm just kidding. If you were my friend and I was lost and we sat together every day and when we got to heaven, you were like sitting in the heaven corner and I'm in the hell spot and I knew you knew, bro, I would have listened, man. You didn't even ask me. You were in my dorm room for three years. And you never said anything to me. What did I do? That's real, bro. That's what Judgment Day is gonna be like. Last thing is invite them to church. They cannot grow without a church. Do not be dismayed. Christians don't grow outside of the body of Jesus. When's the last time you seen a plant grow outside of dirt? Christians need Jesus. Jesus' body is the church. So when you bring them to Christ, you're not done. Church is where they're discipled. Church is where they get into community groups or huddle and read their Bible together and study with other believers and are held accountable. Three levels of imitation. Last thing is that Sundays are not the only day you can do it. Any day. Share your testimony. Share it with excitement, passion, and gratitude. And I bet you people will come to see about your God. My point for you tonight, if you don't remember anything else, is just reach one. And then you'll know. Is there one person that you know. I want you to close your eyes. Everybody stand with me. Yada, would you do me a favor? Would you, could, you, could you spare a few pages of paper? I'll give you some paper. Just rip it up into small pieces. I want everybody to take a piece of paper tonight and write the one person who's going to be your mission until they come to Christ. 1 Let's just start there. I'm not saying go grab the whole world tonight. 1 Is that fair? When you know like 900? That's a baby step, right? Just passing right? around. to pray for just a second say God who is the one on campus campus, at home somebody you're in a relationship with I would say maybe start with campus if you live here I'm not going to tell you who to pick, but I think God has you here for a very special reason. And and I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to do any coercion tonight, but if you don't pick a paper, what are you really saying? I'm going I'm to disobey the dying words of Jesus. Go make disciples. Of whom? The world. Where do I start? The people I know. Jesus' plan to save the world was to teach 12 people. <laughs> Wouldn't it be so crazy, Brendan, if we could change the face of your heart but you find one and they find one and you find one and they find one and you go get another one because you said I I found one and now I know this is for me can you imagine what will happen over the next six months oh my god the glory of God will fall here I know I sound like a kook for dreaming it but I still believe Jesus saves people because I'm looking at you find that one I want you to lay it down on the altar tonight. I want you to bring it to the altar. Lay that name down.